Hey everyone, it's Grant and Jack, and we're here back on our podcast, and so let's talk about the NFL Combine. The NFL Combine has come near its end. We uh, got to see all the upcoming NFL draft prospects uh, showcase their talents at the NFL Combine this past weekend, and oh boy, was this a year to remember. The wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs showcased their talents uh, yesterday, and the biggest thing that happened yesterday was Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy ran a 4-2-1 40-yard dash, beating out the previous record of 4-2-2 held by former wide receiver John Ross. The whole stadium went electric when they saw the time that was recorded because they knew he had broken the record. What was your reaction when, when you saw that, Jack? Yeah, I think most people after the initial excitement kind of went to, well, John Ross didn't have the greatest NFL career, and a lot of the guys near the top of the 40 leaderboard all time haven't had the most illustrious careers. But I think it's a little bit different for Worthy. He's a guy who's produced all three years. He's been to Texas. He's an early declare for the draft, had almost a 1,000 receiving yards as a freshman, and only has, I think, about a 6% drop rate if I remember that correctly. So I think it's a little bit different between him and John Ross. John Ross was an average player at best his first three years of college and then really exploded as a senior. So I think that early breakout age for Xavier Worthy makes that 4-2-1 a lot more impressive. And it's also worth noting that when John Ross was drafted, he was drafted into a situation that wasn't all that great with the Bengals because they they didn't have, you know, like the the surefire thing at quarterback, because I believe Andy Dalton was their quarterback when he was drafted. Um, but that was a long time ago, so, you know, that we may, that I don't remember, I don't think you'd remember. Yeah, and I mean, the league has changed a lot since then. We've seen a lot of guys like Devon A. Chain, Jalen, smaller guys, Jalen Waddle, Tank Dell, come in the league recently, and teams know how to utilize their speed a little bit better now yes, than they did even 10 true. years ago. Now it is worth noting that the offensive linemen prospects are going through their workouts as we are recording this podcast, but there are a few that I think the Bears might target for either depth at pretty much every offensive lineman position because we uh, NFL teams can never have enough depth on the offensive line because one injury can derail your offensive line depending on who it is. Um, so we'll see on who who, uh, you know, who stands out in, on today, and uh, it's it's exciting. So let's get into uh, every player that the Bears have met with, at least uh, that has been reported, because there's definitely a longer list, but I can't find it anywhere. Um, with um, the Bears having uh, number one and number nine selection in this upcoming draft, there is a good chance that we could get any of the players on this list. Um, the first guy that they met with was uh, Jerry Verse, uh, an edge rusher from Florida State. Um, this would be a great pairing alongside uh, veteran edge rusher Montez Sweat, because during his time at uh, Florida State from 2021 to 2023, he totaled 92 tackles and 18 sacks with um, two forced fumbles, according to ESPN. Um, 
I mean, and from what he tested, he looked great. Yeah, I mean, his RAS score, which for those that don't know, is the raw athletic score that they give based on their measurables of the combine. Jared Verse, as well as a lot of other Florida State players, tested really well there. So that's something that I know we talked about yesterday, that Poles has an affinity towards guys who score pretty highly on the RAS scoring. So definitely something to keep an eye out for Verse as he kind of inches his way towards being a top 15 lock and someone the Bears should definitely take a look at at nine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, the next one is, and we've met with basically every edge rusher, um, the Bears also have met with uh, Leitu Latu from um, UCLA. Like Verse, he would be a great pairing alongside uh, Montez Sweat. Um, in my personal opinion, anyone would be because you know, it'd be good to have two edges instead of just one good one and then one mediocre one. Um, now, the only thing that scares me with um, uh, Leitu Latu is he recently had a neck injury that people actually thought that he wouldn't um, be able to play again. Um, and, you know, one miss up mix up on a uh, neck injury can pretty much make you retire so yeah neck injury is not like a foot or an ankle or even an acl something like that that's a lot of stuff that we've been able through modern medicine to kind of get rid of or if it happens be able to come back from but a neck injury is one where especially at a very physical position like defensive end it's not like it's peyton manning coming back from his neck injury when he had one and he's sitting in the pocket doing his stuff but definitely something to keep an eye out, and I think that's what most teams were looking at in terms of Latu, his medical stuff at the Combine. But his production numbers at UCLA were great, so... Yeah, but, but with his production, you know, he had, he had 100 total tackles with 24 uh, total sacks and 5 forced fumbles, which, you know, is very productive for three years um, at a school that I don't know if is probably known for football. I would yeah. say that they're probably known for uh, for basketball. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, the consensus around most of these guys is the edge rushers in this class, whether it be Dallas Turner, Laitu Latu, or Jared Verse, they're all relatively in close range of one another. Yes. So whether or not, I would be shocked, to be honest, if all three didn't make it to nine. There's a chance maybe Atlanta at eight takes one of the three on defense. But I think the Bears could have their pick of the litter if they wanted to stick at nine and pick one of these guys there. Oh yes, yes. I have a I have a good hunch that surprisingly, um the um top of the draft will mostly be offense because I'm gonna say one through four are definitely offense because one through three definitely need quarterbacks and with um the Cardinals being at four and with them out with them not having a bona fide number one receiver they are in prime position to take Marvin Harrison Jr which the name speaks for itself he's probably going to be a stud in the NFL yeah which really hurts me because I would love to have him on the Bears but with us most likely going Caleb Williams Unless we do what the Texans did last year with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, he's going to be gone by nine. There's no way in hell. Yeah, and it's just difficult because the Texans were able to do that last year because they had the extra first-round pick from the Browns in the Sean Watson trade. So even though 
we have that ninth pick, it wouldn't. We don't have another extra first next year to give up to move. Yeah, we would have to. We would have to give up probably uh, this year's ninth overall pick and next year's first and possibly more to move up to four. Which, if they did, I would be happy. But it just seems very unlikely. Yeah, Um, not in Cole's mo. No. Um, next up, uh, we met with, uh, Mason Smith, an interior defensive lineman from, um, LSU. It's worth noting that I believe he is a late to early second, a late first to early second round target for the Bears. If they were going to trade back into the mid-20s, I'd be okay with this, but not a nine because I think it's pretty early for him especially based on his stats. According to um, ESPN.com, he totaled 46 total tackles with six and a half sacks in two years playing at LSU. So that's not the biggest line of production, but you know, maybe he was backup for one year, so. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm not too familiar with him and not a ton of elite production, but you know, the SEC, breeds a lot of great defensive football players especially LSU in recent years with Patrick Queen at linebacker and other players around the field so if Poles is looking at him I'm sure it's for good reason and potential option like you said if we were to trade back from nine to late first round or somehow end up with another late first round pick in a different direction then he could be a guy the Bears would look at yes um we met with Caleb Williams from uh USC, and this is who everyone believes the Bears will end up selecting with the number one overall selection in in April. According to uh, ESPN.com, he, in his three years uh, at college, he played one at Oklahoma and two at USC. He totaled for 10,082 passing yards with 93 passing touchdowns with uh, 14 interceptions and that's pretty productive for for a guy that with his last couple of year with his first and third year not having necessarily the greatest team around him for production um also during his uh combine media press conference he was asked what do you want to learn about the bears when you go for your 30 visit and his answer was do you want to win and in my personal opinion that is just kind of a weird question because every team wants to win. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think a lot is being made about Caleb Williams' comments, the combine, his not uh, releasing of medical information to all 32 teams. And I think this is purely just a case of prospect fatigue. Caleb Williams has been pretty much the unanimous number one choice in this draft for the last two to three years. You look at his production, outstanding numbers, one of the better college quarterback prospects if you want to go all the way back to Andrew Luck, but in more recent years, very comparable to Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. And I think that he might do things a little bit unorthodox, and his dad might be a little bit of a bad influence on some of the things he does, such as him looking for part ownership and whatever team drafts him and just kind of trying to re-navigate a draft and interview processes that is already collectively bargained on but I think all those things while they might 
maybe deter you a little bit. The production on the field from Caleb Williams has been awesome. So Yeah, I sure hope that after Caleb Williams gets drafted into the NFL that he actually gets an agent because um, having his dad as an agent based on what reports have said about his dad being his agent, things don't look good. Yeah, I've seen more, honestly, stuff in recent days, just looking around draft prospect information, more stuff about negative things about Caleb's father than Caleb himself, actually, and a lot of guys saying that... Which is good. Yeah, which is good. I mean, you can deal with... It's like Lonzo and LeVar Ball. Once he gets in the league, his dad's not going to have any sway. He'll eventually hire an agent. If he's good, he'll win. He'll get his contract. His dad's not going to be that much of an issue. Yes. And um, next we met with Drake May, QB uh, from UNC. Um, this one would be a little bit hard for me to accept because the last time we the Bears ended up selecting a QB from UNC, it didn't work out very well, so it would be hard for me to accept it. However, if polls did go in that direction, I will support whoever the QB is, but, you know, based on the last one that we did, it just scares me. Um, according to ESPN.com, he was at US, UNC for three years, but he only started two years. But he had 8,018 passing yards and uh, 63 passing touchdowns with, I believe, like 11 interceptions, something like that. Um, the next quarterback that we met with um, was uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Um, this to me just feels like a younger version of Justin Fields. This is not me saying that Justin Fields is old, but you know, Jane Daniels was like the dual threat quarterback at LSU um, during his time at LSU and Arizona State because he played he played um, in two places. He passed for twelve thousand seven hundred and forty nine yards and eighty nine passing touchdowns with. 20 interceptions. Um, you know, again, you have to do your due diligence on every quarterback. It doesn't mean that you're thinking about drafting all of them, but you have to meet with all of them. Um, we also met with J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. This one makes no sense because a lot of the uh, NFL insiders believe that the Bears will take uh, Caleb Williams at number one, uh, according to ESPN, during his um, three years at Michigan. Like uh, Drake May, he was a backup for the first year. He had 6,226 passing yards with 49 passing touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Um, What's your take on meeting all the quarterbacks? Yeah, I think, like you said, if we're going to pick a quarterback, I do hope it's Caleb. There's no denying that uh, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy are all solid quarterback prospects, but none of which, I think, come without their question marks for Drake May. Like you said, fair or not, he played at North Carolina, not a traditional blue blood football school and playing in the ACC which was down the last couple of years so there's a question about his level of competition 
And then Jaden Daniels, he's older now. I believe he was either a true senior or a fifth year last year. And obviously he's had production at both Arizona State and LSU. But I think, like you said, he's just a less polished version of what Justin Fields was coming out of college, but he was given more ability to run in a wide open LSU offense. And then for JJ McCarthy, uh, I'm sort of torn on him. Not someone I would want the Bears to draft, but he is someone who coming out of high school had a very illustrious high school career and was highly recruited. And for better or worse, Michigan's offense with Blake Corum, with Blake Corum and uh, just the rest of the pieces they had was more run heavy due to their defense being so outstanding. So JJ never really got the opportunity in college to be a guy who threw 35 to 40 passes a game. And I think while the talent is there, it is a little bit scary making that pick based on not as much film and not as much creativity that he was allowed within that offense. Yes, yes. Um, we met with uh, Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. And me personally, if we uh, get all the way to our second first round pick, which is no- which is number nine overall, and both Malik Neighbors and Roman Dunze are gone, Rome- Brock Bowers would be a great constellation prize for me and I hate to say that word but that's what kind of that's the word that makes sense because I wouldn't really want to um trade back so far that that we'd have to go to the like the tier two or tier three uh receivers in the first round um but according to ESPN during his time at Georgia he has he had a total of 2,538 yards on 175 total receptions with 26 touchdowns, which for a tight end is actually pretty impressive for for Georgia. Uh, what, what would you, what would your reaction be if we took Brock Bowers at nine? Yeah, I think there is a clear uh, tier break in terms of level of prospect. Obviously, there's the three top receivers in Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, and Marvin Harrison Jr. And then there's a little bit of a tear break there when you get to the guys like A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas Jr. And I think Brock Bowers, even though he is a tight end and he's not the same position as them, is a clear cut above those second-tier wide receiver prospects. And he's someone who could offer Travis Kelsey-like upside playing a little bit more power slot than tight end, per se, especially since we had Cole Komet. And with the 12 personnel that Shane Waldron likes to run, there's no reason why we can't have two highly producing tight ends. And I think it'd just be a great, a great uh, like security blanket for Caleb Williams to have DJ Moore and two big tight ends. And yes, because it, because it is, it, it is very important for a rookie quarterback to have a security blanket where, you know, a guy where a rookie quarterback can just throw the ball up and more times than not, the receiver or, or the person that you threw the ball to is going to come down with the catch and not have the defense intercepted. Um, <clears throat> so the next guy that we met with is my personal favorite. Uh, we met with uh, Roma Dunze, wide receiver from Washington. Um, and this is who I would want them to take at nine if he was available. Um, according to ESPN.com during his time, at Washington, he had 3,272 yards with 24 receiving touchdowns on 214 receptions during three years. Um, and that is quite impressive. Um, 
two years with uh, over a thousand yards, uh, one with actually uh, over 1,500. Um, so he would probably be the best option if he was available at nine for me. Um, and I would, I would jump up and down if he was, uh, was picked at nine for us. Um, what about you, Jack? Yeah, it's a, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that th the top three wide receiver prospects, any one of them could be wide receiver one in a lot of other previous drafts. So I think if the Bears and other teams looking for skill position upgrades, especially at receiver, if they're in the top 10 and somehow one of these guys falls to them and they don't have a glaring need elsewhere, I think it would be foolish to pass up on. And all of them have been drawing pretty crazy player comps. I saw a post the other day comparing Romo Dunze to, I think, a taller Chris Olave, in a, like a little bit like Chris Olave supercharged. And Olave's a guy who's had over 1,000 yards in two years and would be a pretty good addition to any offense, so. I think I saw a uh, comp that, that uh, Roma Dunze was compared to uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald was a legend in, in the game, and, and, and I mean, he still produced when he was, like, in, in his mid-30s. Uh, mm -hmm. Sadly, he never won anything, which, you know, for a guy that always produced was kind of a little shocking but you know that's based on quarterback play um <clears throat> the final two guys that i'm going to mention are later round targets for the bears in my personal opinion like second to maybe fourth um round guys um we met with uh ben Sinnott, tight end from kansas state according to espn.com he had uh total of 1138 yards and 10 touchdowns on 82 receptions in three years of college football um you know based on that production you know it feels like that would be a later round pick on me um you know usually if you're a high quality tight end you have more than 2,000 yards uh receiving in your college career um the final um player that we met with that has been tracked is um, Jacavion Sanders, uh, tight end from Texas, according to ESPN.com during his two years of uh, starting for the Texas Longhorns. He racked up 99 receptions for 1,295 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, you know, both those guys would probably be uh, depth positions, high quality backups for, for uh, Cole Komet. Um, you know, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, both guys I don't know uh, too much about. I'm assuming they had pretty good RAS scores if Poles took the time to interview them. But like you mm -hmm. said, in the case that we don't get Brock Bowers, which is pretty likely, we will need someone to replace Robert Tanyan as our backup tight end uh -huh. just to get Cole Komet off the field a little bit. And both these guys are big physical guys, so they could definitely fill that role for the Bears next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, it is worth noting that the Bears have met with more people than we have talked about, but I cannot find anywhere who else they have met with. Um, so, you know, they probably have met with, like, 50 people but i only mentioned 10 because i saw a report on twitter that was at least tracking um who 
they met with so far. So, you know, they have met with more, but I can't find them anywhere. Um, <clears throat> the franchise tag deadline is coming up on Tuesday, and that is important to note because the Bears are currently negotiating with standout corner Jalen Johnson to keep him in Chicago long-term, and the Bears have until March 5th at 3 p.m. Central Time to either agree on a long-term deal or give him the franchise tag, which means he cannot go out and sign with another team if we need to see. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think priority one is keeping him in-house. There's obviously a lot coming up with free agency at the draft, but keeping the number one graded PFF corner from last year and a guy who's really been a standout for the last couple years for this Bears defense should be the first priority just to keep what the momentum the defense had at the end of the year last year intact. Yes, I mean, he he barely gave up any receptions last year. I mean, I, I can't believe that they haven't even already agreed to a deal, in my personal opinion. But, you know, it takes two to tango. Ryan pulls his words. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that in the next, uh, actually, two days, um, we get uh, some news that says Jalen Johnson will be staying in Chicago long-term, longer than on the franchise tag. Um, but if he's given the franchise tag, I'll be happy to have him back. But it feels like when teams franchise tag a star player, um, they never want to come back after it been franchise tagged. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think most guys just want that long-term deal, and that franchise tag does create a little bit of a rift between that team and the player just because they want the opportunity to go out while they're still young. Football is not a sport where unless you're a quarterback, you can play for 20 years. So usually after your rookie deal, that next contract is where you make the bulk of your money. So yes. even though you get paid well on a one-year contract for a franchise tag, it doesn't give you the long-term security that a five, four, five, six-year deal does. And that's what Jalen Jalen Johnson does deserve that at this point. Yes. So now all 32 teams will shift their focus to the start of free agency, which is only eight days from now, because the legal tampering period for free agents starts at on... March 11th at noon until March 13th at 4 o'clock. What this means is any free agent um, can either agree to sign with a team or meet with a team during that time and agree to a contract to play for them uh, during the next up the upcoming season. On March 13th at 4 o'clock, any deals that free agents agree to during the legal tampering period window will actually become official so um i mean last year when the legal sampling period opened for free agency the bears signed two linebackers uh tj edwards and tremaine edmonds to bolster their defense within the first few hours of the legal tampering period actually um and i will admit uh those were um <laughs> that was a position that i actually didn't expect them to go after. Um, I believe the Bears will take that same approach this year. And if I were the Bears, I would target a center and edge rusher and maybe a wide receiver on the first day. Um, what would you, what would you do? Yeah, I think 
I would probably go after free safety and then edge, just so we don't have to do that in the draft. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, for people who haven't listened to our podcast last week, we did talk about a lot of guys that the Bears could potentially target in free agency. So if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, uh, go ahead and give that a listen. And we go in-depth and do a lot of guys the Bears should be looking at in that legal tampering window that Grant just mentioned. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, well, that will probably be our show for uh, – this week uh and i will let you guys know that there will not be a podcast from us next week or the week after that because we will be on spring break but don't worry we will have a huge episode for you guys when we get back from spring break and we will give our opinion on all the free agents that the bears have signed during that time that we are away it is such a fun time to be a football fan and i cannot wait for the draft this is a fun time to be a football fan. Uh, it's Grant and Jack signing off, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Um, so long.